Welcome to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Drevenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine. We have a very special guest for Episode 56, NASCAR racing legend Kyle Petty. Petty is part of a multi-generational stock car racing dynasty that has included his grandfather Lee, his father Richard, and his son Adam. Petty is known for four wheels, but he's been riding motorcycles since he was a boy and loves putting on the miles. Since 1995, he has organized the Kyle Petty Charity Ride Across America, an annual motorcycle ride that raises money to support causes for children with chronic illnesses and conditions. The 27th Kyle Petty Charity Ride Across America kicks off on April 29th in Salt Lake City, Utah, and runs through May 5th. I encourage listeners to visit kylepettycharityride.com and make a donation. Check out the route schedule, and if you're in the area, you can meet up with the group at one of their stops. You can also follow the ride on social media. It was an honor and a pleasure speaking with Kyle Petty. He's gracious, down-to-earth, and dedicated to supporting good causes. He's also a diehard motorcyclist, and we had fun swapping stories. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Great. So we're uh, spanning the country. You're on uh, You're on North Carolina. Is that correct? I am. Uh, yeah, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. So I'm I'm on one side. You're on the other side. So that's uh, and there's not an ocean between us. There's just a country between us. <laughs> exactly. Not <an> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out in California. So it, it's really a pleasure to be able to talk to you. We're doing this via Zoom. And, you know, I just want to say it's it's a real honor to, to speak with somebody such as yourself. I mean, you're part of this four generation racing family dynasty. I mean, you know, your grandfather was a racer, your father was a racer, your son was a racer, you were a racer. What was it like to be part of this successful competitive family? You know, that's a good question. And, and but it, here's the funny part. I'm from rural North Carolina. So let, let's be, so I'm from farm country. Uh, right. And most everybody I knew, I, I grew up with people that were dairy farmers. Uh, tobacco farmers, you know, chicken farmers, it didn't make any difference. And if you didn't work in the farm, you worked in the mills. So Randleman was a mill town. So everybody worked. We just happened, I, I tell people all the time, we had we had a farm too. We just happened to raise race cars. That's what we did <laughs> on our farm. So, but it was that type of environment. So it was not strange to have third and fourth generation farms, uh, fifth generation farms. It was crazy, you know, because the land just keeps being passed on. And, and where my grandmother lived, uh, that was a farm that kind of ended up being the race shop and some of her brothers uh, and some of my dad's uncles still farm the place. But, you know, it was just that's what we did. So I never thought anything about it. I never knew anything different sure. uh, from the time I was was young. We went to racetracks and I thought that's what everybody's family did until I was in the <laughs> second or third grade. And then I found out we weren't normal. So uh, but it was it was a great way to grow up for sure. Wow. So I have a confession to make. So I'm actually originally from Tennessee. I, I live in California. I work out here for the magazine, but I'm originally from Tennessee and I grew up in the seventies and I remember watching, you know, Dukes of Hazard. And, but oh, yeah. your, your father, I mean, his, his red and blue 43 car, like his cowboy hat with the feathers. It just seemed like he was a legend back then. He was like, I didn't really watch a lot of sports or different things, but there was sort of like evil Knievel. And then, then your dad, he was on TV, he was on t-shirts. And so I always remember Richard Petty from back then. So uh, yeah, when I was growing up. Yeah. And, and listen, same for me. I, yeah. I have to, I have to admit. So I, I grew up, so I grew up following my dad around and there was Richard Petty and there was David Pearson. There were, there were those guys. And every now and then you'd meet AJ Foyt or Mario Andretti, you know, when, when our paths would cross with the Indy cars, uh, but they built Ontario Speedway in Ontario, California. And to open up the Speedway, Evil Knievel jumped. Yeah. And I met Evil Knievel. Wow. And that, 
that is still that <laughs> is still one of the highlights of my life to be 10 or 11 years old and meet Evil Knievel because I thought he was a god man growing up in the in the in the late 60s and, and early 70s and and wide world of sports and watching what he did it was like that's all I ever wanted to do was jump motorcycles <laughs> that, that yeah. seemed like all I ever wanted to do so uh, listen, we're the, we're the same. We just grew up at the same time. You have the same sure. aspirations. Right, right. Exactly. Well, you have a, a, you had a long storied uh, racing career yourself. If I read it correctly, you won your first professional race and then you've raced for 30 years. And I know you're still involved, but over 800 professional races. What was it like doing that for so long to be, you know, you really got to push, 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 I'm sure. Yeah. But you know what? It, it, that's just what we did. You know, that I, I grew up at a time in this sport when my grand, my dad raced until his early fifties, my, my, you know, Bobby Allison, the guys I grew up worshiping and watching uh, that were my heroes when I was a kid, they raced that long. So I said, shoot, man, I can race that long, you know? And, <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's the generations have changed. Now these guys get out in their early, early forties. Sure. Uh, we all should have got out in their early forties to be honest with yeah. you. But, but these guys, they, they jump different. So, you know, I, I was, I was very blessed. I, I was, uh, I raced against my dad. I got to race against my son, Adam. Uh, I raced against, you know, Pearson and Patty and Yarborough. And then I raced against Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon and Jimmy wow. Johnson and guys like that. So when you look at it, when you look at it at, at my career, I was never really, I was okay. I won some races and I did pretty decent. But at the same time, man, it just spans multiple, multiple generations in the sport and multiple times in the sport. The 70s, the late 70s, early 80s, or all of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. So when you start looking at it, I've been very, very blessed to be in the sport at a time when it grew, when it took off. Uh, and to be a part of it at that point in time. Well, I mean, clearly you loved it. I mean, you know, you just, you speak about it with the sort of enthusiasm, you're still involved in racing. And so I, I know you're known for four wheels, you're known for racing, but, you know, part of the reason we're talking here is, you know, this is a motorcycle podcast. How long have you been on two wheels? How long have you been riding motorcycles? So forever. Um, yeah. And when I say forever, it's pretty dang close to forever. So I was... My dad, and this, this is going to be a crazy story for all your dads out there that, <laughs> that want your kids to be race car drivers. My dad, when I was, I was probably five and a half, six years old, instead of a go-kart, because my dad said go-karts were dangerous, and we never had a go-kart at our house. Wow. But he came home with a little Yamaha 80 dirt bike. And that's, so I was five and a half, six years old. Yeah. I, I I was so, the bike was, I was small enough and the bike was big enough that I couldn't touch the ground. So I would on the, on the kickstand, I would kickstart it and then put it in first gear and release the clutch and set it up real quick <laughs> and take off. And then when I had to stop, I would have to use all front brake and I would have to jump off of it and run along the side of it to get it <laughs> wound down or either put it on the ground, one or the other. So I've been riding motorcycles my whole life. And, and I tell people, this is the funny part for me is, you know, they put a man on the moon and, and what, 69 and cars started showing up at the racetrack. Uh, Dodge first and then a Plymouth with wings on the back and with the front end, you know, all tapered down and really aerodynamic. And I'm thinking, man, they put a man on the moon. Cars are going to fly, man. We're going to, we're going to be flying cars. They're, <laughs> we're not going to be driving them on the highway anymore. And when that didn't happen by the time I was 11 or 12, it was official. I was no longer a car guy. I was a motorcycle guy. And most of the guys at the shop had a lot of guys at the shop had bikes, yeah. old pan heads, uh, a couple of knuckles, some of some of that stuff, Harley's, right. um, because that's what country people ride as Harley's right. at that time. You either rode a dirt bike or you rode a Harley, and that's kind of the way it was. And uh, so I just, when I was in school, I had an uncle. My mother's brother was killed 
Um, and he had a sportster and I kind of inherited the sportster. So I rode it to school and, you know, I've just been on bikes again, since I was, you know, five or six years old and just never thought about not having a bike. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life that I didn't have a dirt bike or a street bike or was riding somewhere or doing something. Well, you know, I actually came to riding motorcycles rather late, but my father, uh, he grew up in in Tennessee in a rural part of, you know, outside of Nashville. And I have these great photos of him on a little 50cc Harley. It was actually pink. He's got, you know, he's there in like bare feet. He's got a couple little neighborhood girls on it and so forth. And yeah, he just, he got it when he was 11 and just rode that everywhere and took good care of it. His father had a, a big Harley Davidson, taught him how to work on it and so forth. And but by the time, um, you know, I came along, my dad had a Honda CB750 and an older brother is two years older than me. And so he had a passenger seat on the back. He'd have my brother behind him and he'd put me on like in his lap, sort of between him and the tank and would take us everywhere. Uh, but it were, for whatever reason, it wasn't until I was older that I learned to ride. I was an adult. You know, there was none of the kids in the neighborhood had mini bikes, but I guess that's kind of how it happens for some people. Like I said, you said your dad yeah. brought home a dirt bike. Somebody in the neighborhood's got a mini bike. They let you go for a ride on it and so forth. But um, it's interesting that you say that it's uh, it, it's it's like like I said, you didn't get the flying cars. We're all still waiting on the flying yeah, cars. Still but wait, but I, I am, I'm going to say this about about what you, what you just said. So my dad won Atlanta in sixty probably sixty seven sixty eight, uh, and they gave him a Yamaha. It was called a Big Bear. It was a two fifty cc motorcycle, oh, yeah. but it was called a Big Bear. And we did the same thing. We'd sit on the front. And and I'll never forget, you know, I had two little green lights. Had had the one headlight with with the with the speedometer right on top of the headlight, and I had a a green light for when it was in neutral and a blue light for when the the lights were bright. Um, but everybody where I lived, I go back to to saying lived in the country. Um, everybody had bikes. Everybody had a little you know trail trail seventies or uh, Honda one twenty fives. It was the craziest thing you've ever seen. We'd go to Little League baseball practice when we were in the second and third grade, and there'd be seven motorcycles lined up next to the fence <laughs> uh, because the, we all rode our bikes. You know, we yeah. lived on a dirt road. We all rode our motorcycles to 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 ball practice, and then we'd ride our motorcycles home. So it was like it was it was a different time. It was a different yeah. time in sure. the world, but it was a good sure. So we want to talk about your Cal Petty charity ride across America. How did this get started? It's been going on since like the mid '90s. So and so you're. Yeah. How did it get started? So here's what happened. Uh, I think 95, um, right along in there. It's been so long ago, sometimes I forget what, whether it was 94, 95. But there was myself, Harry Gant, who drove a race car at the time. Robin Pemberton, who worked with, with me and some stuff. And there was five or six of us. And we all wanted to ride motorcycles from California to North Carolina. I mean, that's like, man, I grew up on, you know, Bronson and, and all that stuff, yeah. you know. And, and so riding the Pacific Coast Highway. So you just you dream about riding a motorcycle across the country. <laughs> and um, so we wanted to ride motorcycles. So we all, you know, we talked about it and we we came up with a little plan. We're going to race in California. As soon as the race is over, we'll hit the road. We'll be home by Thursday or Friday and we'll on to the next race. And and just so happened the way the California race fell that, that year, there was an off week. So we didn't have to beat it back home. You didn't have to, you didn't have to be back home in a hurry. So we were like, man, perfect time. Let's do it. So we told, you know, we started talking about it and our owners heard about it. The guys that own the race cars and some of the sponsors and they're like, not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you guys are not getting on motorcycles for a week. It's an off week. We can do promotion. It's too dangerous to be riding motorcycles. You guys don't. So, man, we were like just crushed, honestly, just crushed. So we talked about it and we came up with an idea. 
And we went back to our sponsors and we said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ride motorcycles. We're going to leave on Monday after the race in Sonoma in Northern California. We're going to leave on a Monday. We're going to ride motorcycles and we're going to raise money for charity. And they were like, greatest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> we can get behind this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, so, and that's what we did. That's why we left, um, we left the 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers training camp. We used their parking lot. And that's where we left from that first year. We went to Huntington Beach and then to Vegas, then to Phoenix, then the Odessa, Texas. I mean, we, it took us forever to get across country, it felt like. And there were only about 35 of us. But it was kind of like that party that just kind of happens. And you think, man, that's the greatest party in the world, man. And you've got to duplicate it or replicate it, and you never can. You right, know, right, right. Spontaneous. Yeah. And that's the way that first ride was. And we said, okay, we're never going to do it again. And then the next year, we got close, and we're like, yeah, let's do it again, man. We did it. We know we can do it. Let's do right. it again. So we did it. And then by the third year, we were like, we don't want to do this anymore. You know what I mean? And But we did one. Right. And 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 it was fun. We we did a shorter ride. We did a little bit different ride, but we did it. And then we we looked up and it's like, let's do let's get to five, and then we'll quit when we get to five. You know, <laughs> we got to five. And we said let's do ten. Then we went right. to fifteen, and now twenty seven or twenty eight, mm-hmm. wherever we're at right now. That many years later, we're still beating it across country, man. And that honestly, that's how it started. That is how it started. And we stop at uh, those first few years. We stopped at children's hospitals from you know Mattel UCLA Medical Center to the Children's Hospital in Oakland, California, Children's Mercy in Kansas City, Brenner's Hospital in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Emory University in Atlanta. We just stop at children's hospitals and help families pay their bills is basically what we did. We would make a donation and this goes specifically to families in need to help them pay their bills. And that's what the ride was all about. Eventually, the ride has evolved into after my oldest son, Adam, was killed. Uh, in a racing accident, we built a camp for children with chronic and life-threatening illnesses here in North Carolina. So since, you know, early 2000s, the money has gone to send kids to camp, to send children that are are sick to to camp. So that's what it's about now. So uh, this camp, it's uh, Victory Junction. Uh, is it? So yes. when did that get established? Uh, you said it was after your son was was killed. Yes. In that accident, so he was killed. He was killed in 2000. Uh, okay. We opened camp in 2004. Uh, since 2004, we've seen over 100,000 kids there free of charge. Uh, so it's been a, it's a phenomenal place. It's crazy how all that happened. And all that happened because of a motorcycle, too. Yeah. Uh, Adam and I were were in Daytona Beach during Biketoberfest. Um, and we went down to to Bruce Rossmeyer's place, yeah. uh, who owned the Harley dealership at the time. And Bruce was on the board at a camp called Boggy Creek, which is there in Florida. And Boggy Creek is part of Paul Newman's and still is part of Paul Newman's was called hole in the wall. Now it's called serious fun camps. Right. And I had run some sports car races with Paul. Paul and I had run Watkins Glen. We'd run the 24 hours of Daytona together. So I knew Paul. Uh, so we went to the camp and Adam's like, man, y'all do that charity ride. We ought to raise money and build a camp. And we uh-huh. kind of kicked it around, laughed about it and joked about it. And, you know, when are we going to have time to build a camp, man? We got a race. That's, that's <laughs> what we do. And then Adam's accident happened. And, and as soon as it happened, it was like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to build a okay. camp, man. Right. Uh, Adam knew about the camp. He understood the camp. He had brought the idea up to begin with. I called Paul and next thing you know, we're, we're blasting rock and digging dirt. Wow. Uh, and waiting for kids to come. So it took us a couple of years to get it up and running. Uh, but we opened the gates in 2004. Well, I mean, what a great way to honor your son and, you know, his legacy, but also, you know, to have a, um, an organization that people are, all, are familiar with Paul Newman and, and his charitable efforts and, and yours and your family. So, I mean, 
And it's it's interesting is that it's very common for motorcyclists to be involved in charitable causes. I mean, yes. there's always Toys for Tots runs every year, and there's a variety of events that, you know, whether it's local clubs, uh, you know, a high profile, you know, uh, ride like yours that are always given back to the community and good causes. I mean, there's the ride for kids, there's all kinds of stuff. And so it's a great um, tradition that motorcyclists have is to be involved with and support charitable causes. It, it is. It's it's crazy. Um, it, it fascinates me more so than any other group. And listen, I, I know, listen, we, we all know different civic organizations and different great organizations uh, that do so much. But when you when you really look at motorcyclists, um, and that's what I, I, I consider myself a motorcyclist, okay, <laughs> because I, I, I used to have a friend and and he he owned the dealership and I'm, I won't say who he is, but he said bikers are guys that ride 50 miles and then have a few beers and have supper and then ride home. And that's what that's they they, they call themselves bikers. Yeah. Mo- motorcyclists get on a bike and they go see the country. Right. They go see things. They explore. They want to be a part of the world. They want to be a part of things. And that explained it the best to me, because that's the way I look at at so many people and, and hog chapters and BMW clubs and and. And and the Honda Hoot, you know, and it, yeah. I look at so many, so many people, they just want to give back. Yeah. They're doing something that they enjoy and they see that they can do something they enjoy and still help other people at the same time. And the mot- motorcycle is that common denominator for whatever reason. I tell people all the time, I have driven to California in my lifetime more times than I care to mention. <laughs> and I, and it, whether it was in an 18-wheeler driving my race car out there or in a car following them, right. that make any difference. You can drive to California as many times as you want to, as many times as you want to, and, and back. And if you want to, you never have to speak to anyone except the person at the drive through window or the person at the hotel you're checking into. Right. Because no one will come up and speak to you. If you're on a motorcycle... You're going to talk to everybody between here and California, right. because once you get to a certain place, first people want to know what's that bike, man. Where you, and how long you been riding all that? And then you get to Kansas, and they're like, "You got a North Carolina tag? Did right, you tow right. that thing out here?" Right. Then you, get to, you know, and it's like, "Oh my gosh!" You know what? So the stories change. Or I used to have that bike, and right. um, that motorcyclist, a motorcycle will create a conversation, and, right. and a conversation always leads somewhere, and. Uh, for most people, it leads to good. Well, it's interesting is that the magazine I work for, Ryder, I mean, we do a lot, a big part of our magazine is touring and travel. And and I that's, for me, just, you know, let me go and I will go until the low fuel light gets on and I just keep going and I'll ride all day. And that's that's the part of motorcycling that I like. And it's interesting is because I work for a magazine where we test a lot of different bikes, depending on what bike I'm on, it, it does bring up different conversations. When Polaris you know, sort of restarted the Indian brand and their early Indians, their chiefs and so forth, were the more old school traditional style with the valance fenders and so forth. When I would be out on one of those testing it somewhere, man, it would start up conversations with old men or, you know, women like, oh, my daddy had one of those or or I had one of those when I was younger or something like that. Just the Indian brand because it had it had been gone for so long. And a lot of people, of course, if you're on a Harley Davidson, that's much more of a, you know, American brand that people, you know, Love. So yeah, the, the travel does by motorcycle does wonders for people in, in terms of not just the experience they have, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The conversation you can have with people. The interesting thing is like motorcyclists 
still kind of have this bad image in some ways. There's always these kind of myths about motorcyclists. And I think that's why the charity stuff is kind of a great counterpoint. Maybe most of the general public don't know that most that a lot of motorcyclists are involved in charitable causes. But like you said, motorcyclists are just everyday people. There's good people and bad people that ride motorcycles, just like there's good people and bad people that drive cars or live their, their regular lives. So, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I know this is not PC, um, you know, but but, you know, most people and a lot of people, honestly, still to this day, which just totally fascinates me. They think, oh, he rides a bike, man. Ooh, yeah. Can, we need to you, you gonna ride that thing in the neighborhood here. Are you right. are you parking? You know, right. that kind of and and you, and you want to say, oh, you're a lawyer. Oh, I don't you know, lawyers. They, that's not a good that's not a good thing to be you know right. that's what you almost want to say something like that back to them you know what right. i mean right because it's like it's like they they instantly instantly if you ride a bike you're judged yeah, yeah you're judged you know what i mean and 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 the and the most of the time it's to the extreme it's either man we love you or man don't bring that in my neighborhood right. you know that right. kind of thing so and i i don't and maybe that is why why bike guys and motorcyclists and Harley dealers and BMW dealers and Yamaha and Trump and everybody, they yeah. give so much back to the community. Right. Uh, they're always there uh, at the hospitals. They're always there leading the parade. Uh, they're always there doing something for kids, whether it's buying baseballs and bats and clubs. It doesn't make any difference. Just anything to, to help somebody out. Well, I mean, there's also a lot of support for uh, veterans causes because of the yes. military and motorcycles have gone hand in hand for many years or motorcycles, you know, during the first and second world war, there's a lot of veterans that came back and rode motorcycles that gave oh, yeah. us the sort of the bobbers and a lot of the customizing movement, you know, they just, they wanted to go out and have fun. Hot, the hot rod cars and the hot rod motorcycles after World War II. You know, the other thing about traveling by motorcycle, I should say, uh, you made me think about it is the, the, um, when you have conversation with somebody, particularly, it's usually at a gas station, but you're out there, you've got your gear with you. You're clearly traveling. Like you said, if you, you've got a different state's license plate on it, you talk to some guy, maybe he's in his pickup truck or he's in his minivan and he just sort of, you see that, like, man, I wish I was doing what you're doing. You know, I yeah. get that sort of comment a lot sometimes. Yeah. Tons of times, man. I got I got to tell you a story. So I was coming back. It's been maybe seven, eight years ago. I don't know. I left um, I left Reno um, and, and was coming back from California. And I, I was riding and I've ridden and ridden and ridden. I, and, you, you know, man, you leave before the, the sun comes up out there because you're running into the sun. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right. So, um, so I'm I'm coming this way. So I get I don't even know where I was at. I'm a long way. I'm just gonna say that. I'm and I and I'll tell you this story. So I'm at a gas station and I I stop, you know, and it's it's getting I've been on the bike probably 12, 13 hours, maybe a little bit longer, and off and on, you know. And I'm looking, starting to look for a place to stop. And these four bikes come flying into this gas station. And it's just about, I mean, it's getting dark. Uh just at dusk. And one jumps off, two of them jump off and go run inside. One of them's filling up all the bikes, all the bikes. You know, yeah. he's got the, he's got the thing and he's filling up the, he's filling up all the bikes. So I'm, I'm like, man, where are you guys headed? And they're like, we're not headed anywhere, man. We're just putting miles on the bike. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're doing an iron butt. We got, we got to do a thousand ah, miles. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I said, <laughs> and I said, cool. And they said, uh, and, and the guys, and I said, that's really cool, man. And uh, they said, well, were you, were you, where are you headed? And I said, I'm headed to North Carolina. They said, where are you coming from? I said, I came from Reno this morning. And he said, well, how far is that? And I said, well, so far I've run 1180 miles today. And he said, <laughs> what? 
And I said, I've come 1180 miles so far, but I'm looking for a hotel. And he said, did you sign up for the iron butt? I said, no, I just rode, man. I just yeah. rode. But it's so that that is the, it's just the, you get lost on the motorcycle. Yeah. You know, you yeah. you run a whole fuel stop of 220 or 30 miles. And it's like, where'd that go, man? Right. Where'd that go? Right. I saw some beautiful stuff. But where did the time go? So, yeah, um, that to me, that that is that that's why you ride, you know, so you do get lost. Well, I mean, for me, I think it's it's got this therapeutic aspect to it because, you know, I'm, I'm busy with the magazine. I've got calls and emails and, and deadlines and stuff all the time. I know you're you've got to be a very busy man is that a motorcycle. I don't even I don't listen to music, communicators, anything. I'm just in my head. I just let my mind wander and it can yeah. just go wherever I can talk to myself. I can sing to myself. I can just have thoughts and I don't have to be or do anything other than just and i just like basically you've got this scenery unfolding in, in front of you and to me that's the best part like if i could just do that all the time i you know that, that's that would be great so yeah so i have to I, i'll do I'll, I'll add this i'll give tell you this crazy story so s- same way so i play guitars and i I've, I've played guitars since i was 12. so i i write songs i've always just wanted to write songs and, and that's it's a hobby it's not i mean i'm not so Anyhow, I'll get to riding down the road on the motorcycle and I'm inside my helmet and I'm inside my head and I'll get a tune or I'll get some words and I take a Sharpie. Okay. I'll take a Sharpie while I'm riding and I'll write the words on the gas tank while I'm riding. Wow. You know what I mean? I just, and I, it's my shorthand. So I know what it is. So I'll write it out like that. You know what I mean? And I'll get to a gas stop and I'll take a little book out of the back of my, my tour pack and I'll write down everything I've written on my gas tank. And then I'll take a gasoline rag and wipe off everything on my tank. <laughs> and then I start again. And oh. it's like a whiteboard. You yeah. know what I mean? Wow. It's, it's like my own personal whiteboard. I write it on the on the fuel cap, you know, the big center section on a road glide. I write it on the fuel cap. I'll write it. You got two sides. So you got plenty of room, man. You can write. And we will pull into gas stations, even on the motorcycle ride, on the charity ride. And somebody's like, man, you've been writing again. I'm like, yeah, got to get it down, man. Got to get it down. Don't spill any gas on it. It'll disappear. Yeah. You know? But you just get that. But it's the sure. same thing. You just get that in your head. And it's not returning emails. Yeah. It's yeah. not t- having a conversation. It's not. It's just you. It's you and the wind and, and the bike. And the sky's always big, man. No matter where you're at, the sky's always big. Well, and it's just, it allows us, because we're all very distracted and our attention is constantly occupied with with our screens and our phones and everything. And so to be able to let your mind just kind of relax in a way and just kind of open up. And like you're saying, it's it's inspiration for, yeah. for music or ideas or something. And so... Uh, so that's that's great. Hey, I don't know if do you have a hard stop at, at, or anything like that because we haven't really talked as much about your charity ride. Yeah, that's at what time it? Yeah, I, I'm. A, you got about ten minutes, maybe a little okay. bit longer. Yeah. So and then so, I got to go pick up kids at school. I got little kids too, you know. Oh, so okay. well, hey, let's let's shift over and talk a little bit more about this upcoming charity ride. I mean, the the one for uh, for 2023, it'll be your yeah. 27th ride. You guys have had over the years 9,000 riders ride nearly. 13 million cumulative miles. I mean, you've done this a lot. Um, you've hit 48 of the 50 states. I guess that would probably, you're leaving out Alaska yeah. and Hawaii, right? Is that it? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> so uh, tell me about this year's ride. You guys are going to be uh, starting in Salt Lake City? Yeah. Yeah. So here's what we did. So our last big ride, our 25th ride, we went from Seattle to Key Largo. Wow. Um, so yeah, we went, we, we'd gone back and forth, you know, all right, we're going west to east, so we decided we'd go like at an angle, you yeah. know. So that was our deal. And then we decided 
then COVID struck, you know, and we, we, we keep dancing around. You had a couple, probably 18 months, two years where really everybody, we did some small stuff, but nothing yeah. that we really, really counted. So what we decided we do, we'd start doing like regional rides and try to figure out a way. So last year we did Phoenix to Havasu, Flagstaff, Bryce Canyon, Monument nice. Valley, Sedona, and back to Phoenix. This year we're doing the same type of ride. Uh, we're going to go, we're going to go Salt Lake over to Ely, Nevada. Uh, and I love Ely, Nevada. One of my, one of my most favorite cities in America is Ely, yeah. Nevada. And it's right there. When you, when you leave, the sign says, uh, you know, Highway 50, the loneliest road in, right. in, in America, yeah. you know, and I love that stretch of highway, man. I just, I don't know why I just love that stretch of highway. So I'd right open. Yeah. That, so we're going from Ely to Tonopah, Tonopah to Vegas, Vegas to Cedar City, uh, Utah, then up to Moab and then then back over to Salt Lake City. So we're just making a loop and we're excited. You know, there's a, a bike builder, custom bike builder out of Boston, Dave Perowitz, his daughter, Jody yeah. uh, Perowitz. She holds 16 or 18 different motorcycle speed records sure. at Bonneville. So we're, yeah. we're going we're going to stop at Bonneville and let her kind of give us a tour. Tell us what it's like oh, wow. out there. You know, very cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, when we get to Vegas, we're going to make a lap around the racetrack and do some of that stuff. When we're in Tonopah, we're going to visit some gold mines and stuff. Cause that's what that area is there. So we do a little bit more of a leisurely ride, sure. uh, these last couple of years, we're going to go back to doing probably every four or five years, do a cross country ride. Right. Uh, and, and that's what our bread and butter was for 25 years. But, uh, you know, you got to mix it up sometimes, man. Yeah. I mean, we've been back and forth from East to, or from West to East so many times we've gone through the same city so many times. They just throw up their hands at us. <laughs> You know, they've seen us too many times. So right. we, we got to figure that out. But yeah, we're doing we're just doing that regional right there in right. Utah, which is a gorgeous state. One of the most underrated states for riding in. You never hear anybody back here say, yeah, I'm going to Utah to ride. And it, it's like, man, right. if you need to go someplace, you need to go to Utah yeah. to ride. That's the way it is. So well, well, Utah, I mean, Nevada, we're looking forward to it. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. So Southern Utah, you're talking about. So one of our editors, Paul Dale, lives in Cedar City. He's going to drop by or stop there. But you're talking about going out to Moab. So, I mean, you know, uh, Highway 12, you know, yes. Highway 12 through Escalante and past Bryce Beautiful. And, and Capitol Reef. That is just you're absolutely right. It's stunning. You just your head's on a swivel the whole time because everything is yeah. so beautiful. So, yeah, hey, sure. that sounds like a great ride. You know, it'll be five or six days. So you, you guys leave in late April. It'll be the first week of April May 29th. Okay. Yeah, we leave April, April 29th. Um, we're going to spend two days. We get into Tonopah. We're going to spend an extra day there um, okay. so that we can, so they can tour some stuff and right. do some stuff. But um, yeah, April 29th, I think we're back on May 4th, 5th, 6th, right along in there. Yeah. It's basically a six or seven day ride sure. uh, from a, from a Saturday until Friday. And, and uh, then we'll load up and a bunch of us will ride back home to North Carolina. So uh, there, then it becomes miniature Kyle Petty charity right. rides, 10 or 15, <laughs> 10 or 15 right. there, right. headed back to their parts of the country. So because you post your schedule, are there are there basically gatherings at each of your stops where people could, the public could come and say hello yes. and, and, and maybe oh, yes. station or something like that? Always. Listen, yeah. always. You know, we post all that because we want you to come out. My dad, Richard Petty, will be there. Herschel Walker, right. uh, Heisman Trophy winner, will be there. We've had George Rogers with us in the past. Harry Gant was with us. Donnie Allison this year, Kenny Wallace and Kenny Strader's with us two two guys. So I, obviously we just kind of, we want people to come out and you get a lot of race fans. You get a lot yeah, of race absolutely. fans because there's race fans all over this world, but right. you get a lot of race fans that will come out and we stand around at a gas station for an hour. 
hour or so in tall currents, <laughs> standing around in a parking lot of the hotel, just like bike guys do. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Once yeah. you ride all day, you got to stand around and talk about it. And that's yeah. kind of what we do. Right, right, right. Well, uh, for those that can't uh, perhaps uh, be to, at one of your stops, how can they support uh, the ride and, you know, go to your website? Yeah. Is there a way they can donate through your website? Yeah, you can go to KylePennyCharityRide.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Same thing. Uh, KP Charity Ride, Kyle Petty Charity Ride. Find out there. I tell people when when somebody says, and this, maybe this kind of just comes from being in the South, and I, I'll say, somebody will say, how, how can we support you? Say a prayer for us and right. just as, yeah. pray for safety. That's it. Right. When you right. travel with 125 motorcycles and 250 people, you know, that that that's all you care about. That's it's, a rolling circus. A, yeah. Trip. And, and <laughs> we have this stupid saying, man, safety never takes a holiday. So you're always on top of it, you know, that right. kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, if you want to donate or know more about camp, uh, know about more what Victory Junction is, more about what we do, please uh, go to KylePettyCharityRide.com and uh, there's links that'll take you everywhere you need to go. Great. Well, we'll include links in the show notes. Uh, I know you got to go uh, pick up your kids. It was a real pleasure speaking with you. Uh, it was an honor. Thank you for being on the show. And anybody who's listening, please go to the website, You know, make a donation, support this great cause. And uh, hey, I know you're going to be doing this year after year. So hopefully it could join your ride, your ride one year. So that'd be great. Oh, please do, man. Please okay. do. We, the more the merrier. Always, dude. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Really appreciate it. Thank you, uh, man. For the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. If you've enjoyed listening to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe, leave us a positive rating, and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit writermagazine.com, where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Writer Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.